0: and get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MeatEater for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the
1: Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 312. And today in the show, we're back for another episode of our Rut Fresh Radio mini-series in which we're getting the latest and greatest intel on what deer are doing right now, the conditions that are present, and how to kill a buck. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. We are here for another Rut Fresh Radio episode. This is our weekly mini-series during the hunting season in which we chat with hunters from across the country about what's happening right now. How current conditions are impacting deer behavior, what the activity levels are, what the progress of the rut is, and then ultimately, how can we kill a buck right now? that's what we're going to chat with all these different guys about. Spencer, you know, is running the show as far as getting those interviews done, and he is with me now. What's the word, Spencer? Things uh, cranking up? Yeah, across
2: the country, hunters are excited because of what time of year it is, late October. You can't go wrong, and then we also have a cold front coming in, and uh, my job is gets even harder this time of year and for like the next three weeks because guys are tougher to track down everybody is in a tree stand or somebody is helping a buddy blood trail a deer or somebody is camping at some lodge where they don't have service and so you can always tell when uh hunters from our podcast get more excited about the rut because they are harder to track down (laughs)
1: have you had to interview anyone in a tree stand yet like has anyone called in from the tree
2: no over the the four years of doing this we've done a lot of uh interviews like in vehicles on the way to a hunt but we we haven't done that yet
1: i think that should be your goal for this year is try to get someone to give you a from the tree report (laughs) that'd be good that
2: would uh that would make season four unique for sure
1: you know, maybe maybe you can get an in-the-field report from me. I'll be on the phone, and then partway through a conversation, as I'm whispering to you, my target buck's going to show up, and I'm going to spook him. Uh, that would be par for the course with me, so maybe I should just keep that trend going, you know? <laughs> or we could title it, Watch Mark Screw Another Hunt Up. <laughs> Have you been out since uh, our last chat? You did a little bit of a South Dakota hunt or something last time we talked. Anything since? Um, I participated in Montana's rifle opener.
2: Killed a uh, mule deer in full velvet yet. He was a stag buck or cactus buck, whichever term you prefer. Um, I I think the technical term would be like uh, crypticism. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that. Sorry to any biologists out there who would know otherwise, but he had... um, two underdeveloped testes that never dropped and so his testosterone would never rise and he did not participate in the ruts uh and it was just a really
1: cool deer that is cool it's, it's kind of cool uh <laughs> in particular for you to have shot that because i feel like you've written a few articles about that i remember seeing you talking about this in like I don't know, a couple of years ago right
2: Yeah, I'm always fascinated with the oddball deer, the ones that uh, develop an extra main beam or the ones that never shed their velvet or the ones that never drop their antlers. I feel like I've covered all of those at some point in my writing career. So to see a deer like that in the field is is kind of surreal to be like, oh, I know what's going on here. Um, And so that was a fun hunt.
1: Yeah. Does something about those deer resonate with you? Can you relate to them in some way? A little bit of an oddball <laughs> testes that never dropped. <laughs> you wouldn't call me the, uh, the baritone, whatever, otherwise. Uh, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> oh, we're going off the rails here. Um, you know, last time we talked, I kind of called it. I thought over the next week I'd have a good chance at, at a good buck and, just has not materialized. Um, we had a three day hunt on the back 40 that was ridiculously slow. Between me and Doug Duran, we saw hmm, one doe, one year and a half old buck, and one button buck during shooting hours um, over the course of three days. So that was brutal. And then um, I've been out a handful more times uh, trying to get after Tran, that four-year-old eight-pointer I'm after, and that hasn't been working out. Um, just seen does and a few young bucks. Um, so you know that could. I'm not saying that there's a quote-unquote lull or anything that was going on. I think simply we just weren't in the right places. Um, you know, trying to be somewhat conservative with the wind direction, making sure I'm not taking a stab. Um, unless I've got the right conditions, uh, thought I'd have some opportunities, but didn't happen. But we had a cold front, like you said, coming through today, uh, raining at the moment. I'm hoping it's going to be like a light misty drizzle. If that's the case today and tomorrow could be really good. And then just cold weather from here on out into November. So, so I think things will be getting much better here soon, but for me, at least it's been like a four out of 10, um, any day now, any time now, it's going to change. Yeah, and this time of year, probably more than
2: other times of year, hunters become concerned with moon phase. And whether it's a full moon or a new moon or whatever, um, I don't dabble in that stuff too much, Mark, but I know that uh, even if you don't, you still like pay close attention to it. This year, we have a rutting moon on November 12th which is very similar to 2016 when it was on November 14th. Uh, in theory, that should create a trickle rut. Can you explain
1: if what that means if you're somebody who believes in the rutting moon? Okay, yeah. So I'm I'm not someone who puts too much into that, um, but I do kind of keep tabs on it. I'm, I'm intrigued by all the moon stuff, but I don't live and breathe by it at all. Um, so, yeah, th- this rutting moon is basically the, the theory goes um, – that the second full moon after the autumn equinox, I think, supposedly triggers peaking or the peak of rutting activity. That's the theory, um, and so in this case, with that November twelfth rutting moon, that would indicate a later peak of rutting activity than usual, um, which then can lead to something that has been termed this trickle rut, which essentially just means uh, slow ebbing and flowing of rutting activity. That will you'll get a little bit of it. In late October, and then it'll be kind of trickle off, and then you'll get a little bit more in mid-November, and it'll kind of trickle off. Basically, it's a it's a poor rut. The theory goes when you have that kind of uh, timing. Now, the consensus across most biologists is that the moon does not trigger actual breeding behavior. The changes in daylight. Trigger breeding behavior. So that happens at the same time every year. In most places across the Midwest and the northern half of the United States, that means that we're getting a give or take typical mid November ish peak of actual breeding with that being the case then the couple weeks the three to two to three weeks before that peak are usually when you're seeing the rutting activity that hunters want to see the running around the fighting the chasing scraping etc etc that's usually happening as we ramp up towards that point when the most does are ready to breed Um, so no matter what the moon tells me I always know that the last week of October and the first two weeks of November should be pretty darn good Um, now Maybe could something with the rut or with the moon, you know, impact the intensity of daylight activity during those periods that I might be a little bit more open to. Maybe there's some connection with daylight movement versus nighttime movement and the intensity that we see as hunters. There maybe could be something there. I'm not going to say 200% that I don't know that's the case. So I keep tabs on it. Um, I have not seen any strong correlation with my own hunts and those timings, but You know, if there's a good moon phase that correlates with when I'm out there hunting, I'm, I guess I'm like, oh, hey, I'll take it if it helps me a little bit. Um, Another moon thing that people pay attention to this time of year is the red moon. Uh, Again, this is a theory that I'm not bought into myself, but I'm, you know, open to look at it and intrigued by it. Um, Adam Hayes always talks about this. A number of pretty darn good hunters you know, point to the moon as, as some kind of influencer and I, I guess it's worth noting that we do have a red moon set of conditions coming up over the next few days. Um, basically what this quote-unquote red moon is is when the moon is directly overhead or directly underfoot. That means the moon is right up above you in the sky or all the way beneath us and that supposedly triggers a little bit more movement during daylight. And so when that overhead or underfoot period coincides with the usual peak of movement, which is, as you know, dawn or dusk, when you got the right moon that coincides with that usual good time anyways, supposedly that's going to help you see a little bit more. And we have that coming up. So Halloween, tomorrow, uh, we've got a red moon time of 4.45 p.m., um, at least in in my neck of the woods. Friday, November 1st, 5.39 p.m. Saturday, the 2nd. 6.32, 6.32, Sunday the 3rd, 7.23. So these are supposedly really good times to see a little extra daylight movement during those evening sits. Uh, I can't attest to it. I'm not vouching for it. I'm simply telling you it's something some people pay attention to. Um, and like I said, if it leads to me killing Tran tonight or tomorrow, I'm a happy camper.
2: <laughs> yeah. And even if you a hunter who doesn't necessarily believe in the moon phase or think that a a trickle rut is a reality, you probably do pay attention in cold fronts. And looking ahead at the extended forecast here, kind of after these next few days, we get a really long bout of stagnant weather. And so I was looking ahead to the dates for my rutcation, uh, which is like November 1 through 10, I believe, um, and it seemed like there was no significant cold front or warm front During that time. And so, what that tells me in in something that we saw a few years ago, it might have been 2017, I can't remember for certain. um, When you get that stagnant weather, you often get a consistent wind direction. And so, this is notable because if you're a hunter who has a small property or limited setups um, or hasn't necessarily got into run and gun hunting yet, that you might burn out all of your, for example, northwest wind stands when you have this kind of stagnant weather and so that's something to start planning for right now so it doesn't get to be november 4th and you're looking at like the three-day forecast and you say every day is a north wind and then you get to november 7th and it's the same thing um, so that's certainly something to plan for as we get into those long stretches of guys hitting the woods
1: that's a good point it's uh looks like a lot of cold weather which is good but to your uh to what you just said there, a whole lot of west-northwest or west winds, at least as I'm looking here in southern Michigan, so it's a great reason to uh, try to get a little bit mobile and try some kind of run-and-gun set. It allows you to switch things up, or hopefully people planned for those westerly winds or whatever it is they've got in their neck of the woods and, and will be ready for it. But I only have, I just looked at my 10-day, I've only got one day where it switches out of the east for a little bit, so... It'll be interesting. I uh, I planned for that, so I've got a lot of westerly stands, but it is nice when you can flip-flop around with those changes, and, and we've always talked about it. It seems like changes in weather often trigger a little bump, and so it'll be interesting. Even though what we have is good, it's stagnant, and sometimes that's, I think it'll be less, I'm guessing, weather will be less of an influencer this rut, simply because there's not a lot of changes. It's probably going to be, We've got pretty good, decent weather conditions, and then it's just when do those does come into heat and being in the right spot. So that's my guess. We'll see. I'm not going to try to call my shots this week. Who the hell knows what's going to happen on my hunts, but I'm going to try hard and uh, see what happens. So, Well, besides from the two of us this week, you're going to hear from Darton Harwick
2: in New York from Flatline Whitetails, and then we go to Iowa. And talked to Matt Peterson from MDL Outfitters. And then in Alabama from Southern Ground Hunting, we talked to Parker McDonald.
1: And then we interviewed David Giarizzo from Tag & Bragg in Ohio. Cool. Well, should we uh, wrap this up, let people hear these interviews, and then get them off to the tree? Yeah, we'll talk to you next week, Mark. Sounds good. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go. But here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit
0: SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart, or a chunk of liver, And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code Eater. All right, and joining
2: us on the line next is Darton Harwick from Flatline Whitetails in New York. Now, Darton, in New York, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? No, I would say it's been about a 5 but increasing by the day.
3: Um, over the last week, we've definitely seen more daylight activity from younger bucks and them getting antsy and ramped up, um, to start rutting. Um, I don't think we're quite at peak activity yet, uh, as the mature bucks still are kind of lurking in the night, um, waiting for the time to get right. But, uh, with each day, we're getting closer to prime time.
2: You just killed a good buck there in New York with your bow. Tell us about that setup and about that hunt.
3: Yeah. So, uh, The piece I'm hunting is, uh, about a 40 acre slice that runs up a mountainside. Um, I'm kind of towards the bottom of the mountainside because of the access to the piece. Um, but basically my stand location is set up, um, in the open hardwoods kind of between the thick bedding and a food source that's on the other side of some railroad tracks. Um, and I'm trying to play the, play the deer coming, coming to this food source, uh, the way the hunt played out, uh a doe came down off the mountainside and uh nice new york buck was right on her pushing her and uh everything happened pretty fast so uh i had a 25 yard coring away shot as he passed by me and uh put
2: one in the in the good zone you said there's still a lot of standing crops in new york Uh, are acorns still factoring in your decision making this time of year then
3: uh, for certain pieces,
2: uh, this one, not so much just because of how much
3: crops are on the bottom of the mountain. Um, the farmer hasn't been in to cut any of the standing corn or the beans that are down there yet. So I haven't played as much a role in New York with the acorns,
2: but definitely in some of my other areas, acorns are playing a big factor. Are you seeing much for sign making in New York and how does that factor into your decisions? Uh, sign making,
3: uh, the scrapes are definitely heating up. Uh, a lot of bucks are checking those. I'm still seeing mature bucks coming in during the night, um, so they're not <clears throat> daylight active yet. But uh, yeah, with late o- being late October, it's it's prime time to to
2: focus on scrapes and pay more attention to the sign. Do you and the guys from Flatland Whitetail use many really aggressive tactics this time of year, like calling or blind calling or decoying, between your haunts in New York and Pennsylvania?
3: Uh I would definitely say we're pretty big once it gets to this time of year on calling. Um, uh, Nick's been using calling this week um, to try and get one of those territorial mature bucks that uh, thinks something's going on in his neck of the woods to uh, show his face. Um, We've had a couple encounters this week with some some nice deer, and uh, we just haven't had a chance to close the deal. But uh, with each day, it's getting closer to uh, prime time, so more encounters
2: should be coming. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that bucket activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in New York?
3: Uh, I think we're headed towards uh, an 8 and a 9. I'm thinking that next week, probably around November 4th through the 8th, it's going to be about prime time up
2: here in northeastern part of the United States. All right, Dartwood, congrats on the awesome deer. Good luck to you and everyone else for Flatline Whitetails, and thanks for joining me. Yep, no problem. Thanks, guys. All right, and joining us on the line now is Matt Peterson from MDL Outfitters in Iowa. Now, Matt, in Iowa, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale
4: of 1 to 10? Buck activity has been an, an average 4.5 out of 10. So what we've seen is your your stereotypical pre-rut activity. Uh, however, it's being influenced with our rather unique sy- systematic Southern Iowa agricultural system going on where we have a lot of crops that are still standing in a lot of our great areas. Um, and so those areas are obviously, you know, hiding a lot of visual sightings that we normally would be seeing. Um, however, with the standing corn deer love to flock to it. Um, it's colder temps, the deer coming out, heading towards beans to feed and hitting on greens. This time of year, it's, everybody talks about palatability. Um, all of our green plots are getting hit rather consistently but with the snow that came in here over the last 24 hours and the future snow coming in and those cold temps we are looking at a lot of bean activity which is somewhat unusual for this part of late october so if normally we'd be looking at about a you know five and a half to seven out of ten as far as buck activity right now um especially last year last year would have been about a seven or an eight and uh this year with this, with the crops and uh other factors as well, EHD numbers possibly being lower in certain areas. It's just it's just not as good as what it could be.
2: So walk me through what one of your ideal setups would look like this time of year when the crops are in
4: versus when the crops are out. So where the crops are in, we play the trail camera game because there's so much that we can't see. You know, with the field obviously being full of corn, um, we have to assume there's deer in it. We like to hunt the, the timber edges, um, you know, and travel out on a pinch, maybe a creek system. Um, pretty much, you know, where there is a normal timbered or CRP bedding area, we like to get between that and the corn where we are seeing, you know, heavy deer traffic. Um, if that's with standing beans, obviously that does not have any cover influence whatsoever. Um, so therefore we can rely a little bit more on those trails. Uh, those funnels, those pinch points at this time of year, catch some big deer coming to check for does out in the food source in the evening. Um, so, and and I should say that it's all evening sets right now. There's no there's no inherent benefit for us to get into the sand in the morning, um, especially one of our better stands. We save those for the upcoming week. Um, now, in, now versus the crops are out. Now there's a lot of food on the ground. There's a lot of stubble left over from the harvest. Um, whether it be corn or beans, every neighborhood's different. Every farm is different with different variety of, of, of seed. So we have, sometimes we have roundup ready beans. Sometimes we have the post Liberty, uh, variety where, you know, deer have, a, they do have a taste, uh, for different, different types of corn and beans. We've seen deer absolutely avoid corn, corn and beans that, you know, they just don't like taste the taste of and they'll go right next door to, you know, what looks to us as the same, same kind of you know soybean, but they're all over there. Um, for no other reason than taste. Um, so we, with the crops out, we have to rely a lot more so on our trail cameras and our visual scouting, um, to figure out a setup. So setups don't necessarily change because we're, we kind of have a wide variety of setups. Um, but the, the approach is a little bit different in how we are finding those deer and choosing which of the setups to go to.
2: What are you seeing for sign making right now? And how does that influence your decisions in
4: making a setup? Right now, over the last, I'll go back to the last 10 days, um, scrape activity, uh, as well as rubs, are picking up on all of my farms in the last you know, five to seven days. Um, going about 10 days back, we were looking at a, what it, well, it seemed like slow activity. There just weren't scrapes firing like normal, even though we had the good weather. Um, we were, it, it just seemed a little bit behind the schedule. Um, but here in the last week, scrapes have fired up like crazy rubs were picking up all over the place. And that's, we're going from the small little, you know, field edge rubs that are just periodic, um, all the way up to your, you know, your big community rubs that are deep in the timber, which I try to avoid looking at, even though they're pretty cool. To look. <laughs> they're pretty cool to find. Um, you don't need to invade on any bedding areas this time of year. Uh, but the sign is all picked up, and that that's not just talking about trails and scrapes and rubs. It's also talking about trail camera activity. Um, a lot of the activity that I'm seeing on camera is still nocturnal, especially with our mature deer. Um, I've only had two or three mature bucks actually out in daylight. Um, I run cameras pretty much where we're hunting. Right? I have no benefit to run a camera in the bedding area. I'll never go back there. Um, to hunt or to, to scout, but we we want to know when the deer are there where we're hunting. So we're checking that, and that activity is just picking up and now I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and that with that light being the rud it is it is coming.
2: Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Iowa?
4: I would expect here over the next week it would jump up to possibly seven or eight out of ten given the weather stays good crops continue to get harvested occasionally here and there um the only reason that would stay lower is if the deer stay into the crops and those standing corn and remain hidden
2: all right matt well good luck to you and your clients at mdl outfitters thanks for joining me
4: all right thanks Vince. have a good one
2: all right and joining us on the line next is parker mcdonald from southern ground hunting in alabama now parker in alabama what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten
4: yeah, I would
5: say probably right now, it's going to be about a about a five, um, where I'm at, and in a lot of the state, I haven't I haven't seen just an overwhelming amount of um, big mature bucks being killed. There have been a few, but just in my experience so far, I've seen quite a few young bucks out on the feet and feeding on acorns and stuff. Um, and then of course I had a I had a good encounter with a, a buck I killed. Last week, um, a mature buck um, on Alabama public land, and it, it, a lot of it was because I was uh, I got right in between his his food and bedding, uh, but he was definitely on his feet in daylight hours, and so I would say a five because it's not you know it's not the absolute worst, but um, I think it's only going to go up from here.
2: Like other southern states, Alabama has a variety of stages of the rut going on at all times in the fall. Can you walk us through? what different deer groups and what different phases of the rut we currently have in Alabama. Yeah. So in Alabama,
5: um, a lot of, a lot of pieces pretty close to where I hunt, you have a, a strain of deer that was brought in from Michigan years ago. And so you'll experience with those deer, you'll experience a rut that is typical to probably the rest of the United States, really that early November, um, type rut. And so you could be out in the woods, you know right now and be seeing some um good pre-rut activity and probably in the next week or so you might you know you might see bucks chasing does like crazy um but then in that same block of timber you could have a buck that's not even close to being in the rut at all he's still a couple a couple months to a month away from even being close to starting the pre-rut um so it really is all over the place um where i hunt and then you can go put some parts of the state, um, southern Alabama, there's a lot of parts of the state out there where they won't even rut until February. Um, and then some parts of northern Alabama, they're not gonna, you're going to have rut activity in, in February. So it really is truly just <laughs> dependent on where you're at. Um, I would say for where I'm at the majority of the time, um, right now you're still going to experience a lot of that bed-to-food pattern. Um, you're not going to see a ton of rut activity, of course, unless you see those, um, you get have an encounter with one of those Michigan strained deer. Um, but like the buck I killed the other day, he wasn't, he wasn't even anywhere close to it. So, um, man, this cold front though, that is uh, about to hit, I think it's hitting a lot of the United States. I know it's hitting a lot of the South in the next, uh, in the next couple of weeks, man, it, it's going to be, um, Probably the cold front that really gets the deer on the feet. I think, I think you're probably going to start seeing a little bit more movement. in That number, you know, it could it could go up drastically here this this upcoming weekend for sure.
2: So, how do you balance your aggressiveness in an area like that where you have so many different phases of the rut going on at once? For my style,
5: um, you know, I'm using I'm using a lot of water access pretty much um, all the time is what I use and. Um, I kind of stay aggressive, you know, it, it just really depends for me, like during the rut that early, early December is the rut that I really try to key on, key in on in my area. And I'm going to be as aggressive as I can be. I'm going to go into, um, a lot of the areas where I know is, is good doe bedding and I'm going to get really, really close to that. And that's all that's since I started doing this, that's been the most, um, beneficial thing I've done is that right there in the middle of that, and I'll get as close to those doe bedding areas as I possibly can. Now, what I'm trying to do is, um, I'm not getting, I'm not crowding the bedding too much of these bucks. I am trying to get in between the bed and the food. And um, a lot of the bed, a lot of the bedding I know is there. Some of the bedding I don't know is there. I use this time of year when, um, you know, the majority of the area that I'm hunting isn't so much, isn't so close to the rut, Um, I'm going to use a lot of this time to go in really aggressive to areas that I've never been into before. So just, I use a lot of it for going in blind into brand new areas.
2: You just killed that buck doing water access. Is that a tactic that you'll use year round? And Is that something that you think can be applied to all Southern states?
5: Yeah. So, you know, since I started doing this, I would say my encounters with deer have gone up drastically like it's not even it's not even close really to what I was experiencing before and uh, and a lot of that is because I'm going into areas where I mean the majority of the time there's nobody in there I, I don't think I've ever run into a single person um, it, you know in especially here in Alabama I haven't run into a whole lot of people that are doing the same thing and uh, if I do run into anybody it's usually because they're coming off of private land and they've been hunting that same piece of public land their whole life, you know, because it's close to their property or whatever. Um, but you know, I I have a whole lot of encounters with deer. I get to, um, see a lot more deer on these, these pieces of property than, than a lot of people in the South. Um, and I think that's just getting back far into those places where people aren't going into very often.
2: What food sources are you focused on this time of year in Alabama?
5: So right now, Um, obviously the acorns are falling like crazy and, uh, we've had a really good year here everywhere I've been, um, here in Alabama and Tennessee, um, even in Kentucky, I hunted there and everywhere I've been, it seems like there's a really solid acorn crop. And so that, that, that really makes it difficult to, um, find where the deer are actually hitting because they got acorns all over the place. Um, one of the things I really try to key in on is, um, going into a place that has those white oaks, um, that's dropping a lot of acres, but also has a lot of the native browse that is, um, that, that deer really tend to like. So with this buck that I killed last week, I really keyed in on a transition area that had a, a pine thicket and then it had a, um, a couple year old clear cut and that, those were on the private land. And then on the public land, there was, there was a lot of acorns falling. And so I figured in that clear cut, um, there was going to be a ton of browse out here. Those are basically just like a big, thick food plot that are just, it's just covered with all types of food for deer. And so if you can be close to one of those, and a lot of times that's the ticket for this time of the season.
2: Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Alabama?
0: And I think
5: this cold front that's pushing through here, um, this weekend is going to be, uh, I really think it's going to get deer on their feet. Um, that's one thing I've noticed the most deer activity I've seen at this point has been in those, those little cold fronts that come through, you know, that drops the temp down to 40, 40 or so degrees and the deer activity gets really high. And so this weekend, um, supposed to get down into the thirties. And I think you're going to see a lot more people down here in the South um, posting on, on social media. You're going to see a whole lot more uh, big bucks being killed. So I'm going to say it's probably going to go up to uh, maybe even a seven or an eight.
2: All right, Parker. Well, congrats on that awesome Alabama public land buck. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right. And joining us on the line next is David G. Rizzo from Team Tag and Bragg in Ohio. Now, David, in Ohio, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
6: I think the buck activity has been about a 6. And the reason I say that, we're seeing a lot of small bucks cruising uh, daylight hours and seeing some new bucks pop up on our trail cameras. But the mature buck activity, at least where we're at, we have not seen you know daylight active yet. It's been close, um, but we haven't seen a ton of mature buck activity yet. Although they are working scrapes at night, it seems like they're branching out throughout the last couple nights on our trail cameras bucks that we've never seen before. Um, and, and the younger deer are moving in daylight. It just doesn't seem like that mature buck activity has you know really gone out into like an all-out seeking phase where they're moving you know a lot during the daylight hours.
2: These last few days of October, do acorns still factor into your decision-making when you're making a setup?
6: Yeah, I, I, uh, I was actually set up tonight on an acorn flat and i had three does come in and they were literally nose to the ground feeding the whole time i mean i was i was actually pretty surprised that there wasn't a buck with them or at least coming in to check um so you know i think the acorns definitely still play a factor you know at least case in point tonight where the does were feeding i mean i really wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else it's just the buck wasn't in the area tonight
2: what are you doing this time of year when you find some fresh sign making? And at what point do you kind of start to ignore that and move off the rubs and scrapes?
6: I think right now, at least for us in Ohio, is just is peak time where they are just hammering the scrapes. I mean, yesterday I sat, I, I watched three bucks, three different bucks clear the same scrape. One buck in particular cleared it, went back and cleared it three different times and they were all kind of chasing each other around, just trying to figure each other out. So I think the scrape activity right now is, is peaking, and, and especially over the next couple of days. I mean, that's where really we're going to be honing in a lot of our time and energy is hunting, you know, on scrapes or at least somewhere close, you know, paths leading up to scrapes, because uh, I really believe that these mature bucks are going to get on their feet. We got a cold front coming in end of the week. And I think that's going to spur some activity and we're going to get some good action, especially scrape action, you know, by the time the the week's over with.
2: When you're hunting scrapes, do you have a preference for morning versus evening?
6: I'm hunting them any time of day. I I prefer the morning time. And, you know, so we literally just started hunting mornings pretty hard over the last couple of days um, and, it's, and it's paid off for us. And I'll be in the woods again tomorrow morning too. Um, it seems like... A lot of the buck activity that we're observing on trail cameras that we, you know, that we're not seeing when we're sitting is starting to switch, you know, to that morning movement. I mean, case in point this morning, a new buck popped up on one of our trail cameras, uh, one of our cell cameras that we've never seen before at 1030. Um, so, you know, extending those sits, I think, a little bit farther in the into the, into the late morning, I think, is uh is absolutely necessary because you just never know when when he could take a walk
2: it sounds like most of your cameras are facing scrapes right now. How does that change when we get into the rut? Do they stay there or do you move them to someplace else?
6: You no, know, we typically keep them you know we just try to keep them on any active scrapes honestly once once like the peak chasing comes around, not that the trail cameras are irrelevant but it's just time to just go log a lot of hours into the woods, and you just I mean, the deer become kind of unpatternable at that point, at least in my opinion. So we we tend to keep the keep the cameras on the scrapes that are active because you just never know what new bucks are going to move into the area, um, and especially if there's a hot doe in there, if he's hitting that scrape you know a couple times, you never know it. you could You could have a day or two day window to get in there. You know, and try and kill them. So we keep the keep our cameras on scrapes, let them kind of take that inventory for us when we're not sitting directly on you know on those main scrapes anymore. And we just get in the woods, getting a you know getting the timber somewhere, and try and log as many hours as we can. See if we can catch up to something.
2: Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in
4: Ohio?
6: I I really think it's going to be, you know, an eight to an eight and a half. I think, um, like I said, the end of this week, we got a cold front coming in. It's been 60 degrees all week. It'll be like that through Thursday. And then highs on Friday go down to 40 with lows in the 30s. And that continues for the next probably four to five days, I believe. So I really think end of this week, early next week, you know, this movement is going to be eight, eight to an eight to an eight and a half. The mature bucks are going to be on their feet, and I'm really looking forward to being in the woods. I think this is going to be, you know, one of the best weeks just that we have throughout this year.
2: All right, David, good luck to you and your brother, Team Tag and Bragg. Thanks for joining me.
6: Appreciate it, Spencer.
2: And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Darton, Matt, Parker, and David for joining me. Thank you guys for listening. Good luck to everyone who has a rutcation planning up here. I hope you're seizing goats just like you imagined, Uh, and I'll be on a ruckation of my own, so the next time I talk to you guys, I will be coming off of a lot of days of tree sand time, and
4: I hope it's the same thing for you. Until next week, stay wired to hunt.
0: I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill.
1: at your local auto parts store, or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.